You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this special Sunday message at Creekside as Pastor Terry installs our new lead pastor, George Willis. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good morning, my online friends. Thank you for joining with us today. What an exciting day. I am uh, uh, privileged to be back. Um, I, I guess I'm still your senior pastor for another 30 minutes. So <laughs> for, for whatever that's worth, but uh, uh, I'm actually here in a different capacity. I uh, am the, um, it, uh, it doesn't matter what I am. It just matters that I get to do this as kind of part of my new responsibilities. And uh, I get to install, I get to bring on board uh, Pastor George and Kristen. So I'm so excited about that. But I want to set it, I want to set our time up. Um, it, it would be so great if everybody even online could be here because it's such an exciting thing. I mean, Creekside hasn't done this for almost 30 years. And so it's a big deal. And uh, so we're really, really excited about it. Just, just some quick context. Uh, the Willises were on staff here at Creekside from uh, roughly circa 2001, 2011. They started as volunteers. Uh, Pastor George gave a little bit of this testimony uh, when he spoke uh, uh, back in August. And uh, they were, they started off as uh, just part, not even part-time, just volunteers. And they worked in, uh, as youth pastors at another church. And they kind of came in here, I think uh, George, Pastor George said to kind of get healed up and uh, just kind of land for a while, but it didn't take long. And they decided, you know, we kind of want to step in, uh, get our feet wet again in ministry. And they uh, started working with our youth. And then they started doing worship periodically. And probably within a year, year and a half, uh, they were full-time staff members and did a wonderful job. And then it was 10 years later that they said, you know, I think we want to kind of step into planting a church because that was kind of at the DNA of Creekside. And hopefully that continues that we want to plant. Uh, we always say that our sending and serving capacity is so much more important than our seating capacity. We want to be sending people and pastors out and and uh, one of the great things that you have done, that we have done here, is we've sent out more pastors than uh, other open Bible churches in the last 10 years. And um, so we are really excited about that, part of our DNA. So they left uh, 10 years ago, did a great job at Generations Church in Pleasant Hill. And uh, pretty soon, I'm, I'm, right now, I'm working with them in their transition. And so we're excited about what's going to happen for them. Uh, it was, uh, the pastor had told me that, you know, I always kind of felt like I always wanted to come back and felt like we might come back. And uh, so we kind of started this process. I was looking back at my calendar this weekend and uh, it was back in August of 2020 when this process kind of started and uh, other people were involved. And uh, then we've ended up bringing them to Creekside to meet with some of you, uh, our staff, the council and a lot of other people, uh, leaders in our denomination and our Pacific region. Uh, 
that speak into the life of the church because of their relationship with me. And after about a year, what is it, a year and uh, three or four months, uh, this is where we are today. That we sense the call, we sense the, the, this, the voice of the Lord. Isaiah 30, 21 says that whatever way you walk in it, whether you turn to the right or the left, you'll hear a voice that says this is the way in which to walk. And that's really what we've sensed, that we're walking in the direction of our sovereign Lord this morning. So as we prepare to lay hands, uh, to anoint them with oil and to pray over them, I just uh, give you a little bit of context. Uh, J.D. Kelly, who's a reputed uh, dean of early church studies, uh, wrote this. Ordination or appointment to office in the apostolic church was modeled on the contemporary Jewish rite for the ordination of rabbis uh, during Jesus' time. So they take its inspiration from Jewish history, Jewish ordination, as it's described in Numbers chapter 27 and Deuteronomy chapter 34, when Moses laid his hands on his successor, Joshua, who then, as we were talking about, took over God's people and led them into the promised land. Now, here's what it says in the passage in Numbers 27. And the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man whom is the, who, in whom is the spirit. Lay your hands on him and set him before Eliezer, the priest, and before all the congregation and inaugurate him in their, in your sight, in their sight. And you shall give some of the authority to him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient and follow. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and set him before Eliezer the priest and before all the congregation laid hands on him and inaugurated him just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. First and second Timothy and I'm going to be reading, I'm going to be giving the charge from that here in just a few minutes. Um, it, it intones very clearly that there's this internal gifting that comes through the spirit that often is part and parcel with the laying on of hands. Uh, when, when Paul is giving the charge to his son in the faith, Timothy, he talks about stirring up the gift. And he goes, remember the prophetic words that were spoken. And when the laying of hands were, were laid upon you. So we're going to do that here in just a little bit. For those of us who have been in ministry, and even a lot of you, you understand what it means when, when you kind of you go, where did this come from, this ability, this gifting? And you understand that it comes from the Spirit of God that enables you and empowers you to be able to do what it is you do. So I want to read kind of a lengthy passage from uh, the book of Acts. And all of this now uh, becomes kind of informally part of the charge. If you turn to Acts chapter 20, we're going to pick it up, I believe, in verse 13. Paul is saying here to this group, he's exhorting them as he did to the Philippians. And he's saying to them, what I want you to do is to follow Christ or follow me as you follow Christ, because he gives them this great example to follow. So if you would, if you've got your Bibles there, or your phone, or whatever you use, I'm going to read just this lengthy passage that I think is important for really explaining uh, as an introduction to where we're going. So Acts chapter 20. 
It's a, it's a, the, the, the passage is filled with in, uh, deep emotion and pathos because uh, of some of the verbiage that you'll hear Paul use. So Paul says in verse 13, we went ahead to the ship and we sailed for Assos where we were going to take Paul on board because there were his instructions uh, since himself was going by land. When he met us at Assos, we, uh, we took him on board and went uh, to Mytilene. Sailing there from the next day, we arrived at Chios. The following day, we crossed over to Samos and the day after, we came to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus where he'd started a church to avoid spending time in the province of Asia. Why? Because he was hurrying to Jerusalem. He wanted to be there, it says, by the day of Pentecost. Now, in just a minute, you're going to wonder why in the world would he want to hurry to Jerusalem? Now, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, and he summoned the elders and the people of the church. And when they came to him, Miletus was about 20 miles from Ephesus. So these people had to travel 20 miles to meet Paul. But it was so important to both parties that they did it. And when they came to him, they said to him, you know, from the first day, he says to them, you know, from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and enduring the trials that came to me from the plots of the law of the Jews. You know that I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching you publicly and from house to house. I testified to both the Jews and the Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am on my way to Jerusalem. And he says, I'm compelled by the spirit. There's this drawing, there's this pulling, this compulsion of the spirit to go to Jerusalem. And he just said earlier that he was in a hurry. Now notice what he says. I'm not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town I go to, the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. He basically says, I'm going to be a jailbird. I'm going to be chained up because of the gospel. But I can't wait to get there. And then he says this, but I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know <clears throat> that none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you on this day that I am innocent of the blood of you all because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. And then he says to the people, he says, be on guard. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock for which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers. I want you to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come uh, among you. They won't want to spare the flock. Men will rise up even from their own number and distort the truth to lure and disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years, I never stopped warning each one of you through my tears. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. I love that. And now I commit you to God and the word of his grace.
which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are set apart, sanctified by God. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I worked. I worked, I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. In every way, I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Remember that. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So Paul is saying here a couple of things. First of all, he says, I, I, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. He said this in the book of Philippians uh, chapter 3 as well when he was talking to the church at Philippi. And the first thing we want to make sure that we're doing, loved ones, in this process and always is cultivating Christ-like character. It, Paul says, you know the way that I was when I was there. He says, I, I, I teach by speaking, but more by my living and how I live before you. Hear me, loved ones, our call is to look after ourselves. Your call is not to look to a pastor or a person or a church, although those are very important. But Paul says, as I'm leaving, what I want you to do is I want you to take care of yourself. I want you to learn to feed yourself in the word, to embody this character and to show Christ-like character wherever you go. What you're going to see here in a few minutes is a total focus on God's word and the preaching and the teaching, which here in this passage, this is what Paul said, I never failed to teach you the whole word. Uh, one of the charges that I want to give to Pastor George is never forsake the word in any way, shape, or form. And I know he won't, but it's still a charge because that's what Paul does here. And then he's going to do it to his protege, Timothy. This is the Bible that I read from now. I've been using it for a number of years. There was a good, just a godly man and a man that I drew very close to in his season here. He's only here for about three or four years. His name was John Freeman. Before he left, he gave me this Bible right here. And I think he gave it to me because it's like humongous giant print. I mean, you need a, you know, I, I need a forklift or one of the young guys to carry this thing every morning. But I, it's a Bible I can generally read without having to put on my reading glasses. But he gave it to me and he said, this is, reminds me of you. And he says, I want you to just have this to remember me and said some other wonderful things. But I want to give George a Bible. This is the most important and powerful tool in your pastoral and personal spiritual toolbox. Uh, I wish it was new, but it's one that I used when you were here. Where's George? There he is. Uh, this is a Bible that I used while he was here. And it's kind of special to me because I really love, I love the size of it, but I don't love the size of the writing. So again, I think that's why my friend John saw, saw me struggle reading out of it. Uh, but it's just a, a great reminder, and I want this to be a reminder to George. And there's a couple of things about it that are so important. Not only is it his most powerful arsenal of his spiritual weaponry, but at one point I'd used this and worked it over pretty good, and I had to put duct tape on it. You know, it's like, yeah, you, you know, I mean, I can't, you know, you know if, I had to, if I had to put a screw in something, I might use duct tape, you know, and just tape it in because of my skills. Uh, 
But here's the deal. I put that on there. As I, as I said, I want to give this uh, to Pastor George. I thought it's a great reminder, that duct tape, that what we do is work. It's very spiritual, but it's also very practical. You get up early, you stay up late. It doesn't have set hours. And in the charge that I'm going to read to Pastor George in a little bit, Paul says two or three times, work, 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 labor. And I want to remind Pastor that that's what we do. We work. We work for souls. We work for our Savior. We work. We labor. Second thing is, uh, I know this is going to sound really corny to some of you, but I got a fortune cookie years ago. And, I, and it's not really a fortune cookie as much as it is a quote. But I saw it and it captured my heart because this is what it says. And it's in this Bible. And I say, George, don't forget this. Because this is who Creekside is. It says this. I got to read it from my notes. I can't read it. Um, uh, inside the cover, it says this. In order to capture a city, first capture the heart of the people. It's a reminder that our call is to Creekside, but make sure we're always going out into our city and our community because it's the love of God that compels us to reach out. Regardless where they are, who they are, or what they do, it's the love of God that compels us. Pastor George, here's a Bible. You can put this in your office. Come on up and get it. I want to just, I'll give it to you now. And uh, it's uh, just a reminder of what we do and why we do it. You're welcome. There's also a thing here Paul talks about is this proactive care and leadership. Uh, Paul says, watch out, be careful, because there are people that are unstable, they're unformed, or even some of them are malformed. They're people from the outside, and yes, there's even people from within who are going to seek to separate people in the church and from one another. I've seen that. People try and do that here. Let me tell you something. I mean, there's, there is truth that is so important, but nobody has a total corner on the truth. There is heresy that we have to be careful of. But nobody has a true total corner on the truth. And be careful because God says this. There's seven things that he hates, and one of those things is division. And if you find someone that's trying to divide and then you're finding someone really who is doing the work of the enemy of our soul. So he says, be careful, be aware. Now this is oftentimes done unwittingly and it's just a function of the personal disintegration and the brokenness of people. Uh, Paul says this, therefore, take heed to yourselves, you and me, and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made us overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased by his own blood. It is not a man's church. It is not your church. This is the church. You are the church of Jesus Christ. And that's what matters. He says, take heed, pay attention, take care of yourself first. And then he says this, I want you to do this with the rest of the flock. We're all called to be shepherds. 
Jesus is the great shepherd who exemplifies the heart of the shepherd, which we see in John chapter 10, where he says, you know something? There are hirelings that'll do this for pay. There are people who will do it for their own personal benefit. But a good shepherd does it. He weighs down his life. She weighs down his wife for the sheep. And so Jesus talks about the model of it in spirit and attitude and actions of the good shepherd. They're the ones that good shepherd are seeking and they're healing and seeking after those who are lost. It's a powerful word. Well, you're saying now, well, PT, I thought that this was a challenge and a charge to Pastor George. It is. But notice who Paul is talking to and he gives this charge to. He gives it to a group of people. He gives it to a whole group as he leaves. And here, loved ones, this is what we get to do. We get to embrace this calling. All of us, every one of us has a great part to play in God's kingdom. It may not be the same. It may not be the platform, but every one of you is going to be needed in God's kingdom and in God's house at this strategic time. And that's what Paul is saying to these people. Hear me. Leadership, good leadership needs good followership. They go hand in hand. That's why the church is called. The body is called that every part of the body is needed to, to fulfill God's works and his purposes. I want to read one more passage. And I was preparing this week for a, a service yesterday that I did. And, and I just felt like I needed to speak out of the 23rd Psalm, but it also applies to this because again, it's talking about the good shepherd. Listen to what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He renews my life and he leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I go through the darkest valley of death, I fear no danger. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then he says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. Wow, that's so good. Those are God's two sheepdogs. They're always pursuing you. God's love and God's faithful love and God's goodness. But what I want you to see here is, is two phrases. First of all, thy rod and thy staff, are, they come from me. And it has to do with the authority of a shepherd who when he takes on the staff, he would be leading his sheep. And what does he do? David was a shepherd boy at this time and he's walking through there and he says, this is what a shepherd does. He comforts, he protects, he guides. And even when he has to, he'll go and rescue one of the sheep that he loved. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 8, and 2 Corinthians 13, verse 10. He says, <clears throat> I don't ever want you to be a lording shepherd. I don't ever want you to be a lording pastor. I have given you authority, but don't abuse it. And he says this, the authority that has been given to us by the Lord, our authority is to build you up, never to tear you down. That is a good shepherd. I love the symbol of the shepherd's staff because it speaks. You'll see it in a lot of art 
um, from antiquities of a, of a picture or a drawing or a painting of Jesus with a shepherd's staff. Pastor George and myself and Pastor Jesse, Pastor Aaron, we're under shepherds to the great shepherd. And we do carry this authority and, and a staff. And we are comforted by Jesus, who is our great shepherd and our pastor. And I just want to say one of the greatest things. It's not better than any other job, but I, I am so thankful that God called me to be an under-shepherd to him. But here's what I love about this verse. It says, you are a shepherd and you have my staff. One of the writers that I was reading in Psalm 23, uh, notes on this. He, he says this about, you anoint my head with oil. A, a shepherd would carry, David probably carried oil for a couple of reasons. Number one, he carried it for medicinal reasons for the sheep that he was leading. But he would also carry oil because as he went into unknown areas where he had never walked or traveled before, where there was high grass, he wouldn't know the area. And this verse, really, I just love it. I hate snakes. I mean, I just, I, you know, I don't care if it's gardener. I don't care if it's rattler. I don't care if it's a worm. I don't care if it's big, if it's short, if it's fat, if it's small. I detest Snakes. It comes from my childhood. I won't bore you with the story. And I think the biblical story of Genesis 3. But I, I just dislike any kind of snake. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I was uh, yes, yesterday morning. Some of you might have seen this lest I digress. But uh, this gal, she has a home in there. This family has a home in Santa Rosa. Did, did you read about this? This is awful. This creeps me out to no end. I will never go to Santa Rosa again. But they had, their they, had their, they had their house next to a hill. One of their neighbors says, uh, I think I saw a rattler going into your, underneath, into underneath your house. And so the, the, the people and other neighbors called and they got this reptile guy. He comes out and he goes, yeah, I'll find it. He goes under there and in, for the next four hours, he pulls out 90 rattlesnakes. True story. Can't make this stuff up, man. I, if that was my house, I would sell it. I, I, would, I would be at Best Western until it's sold. I don't care how far away. I, it's, no, sorry, I, I'm digressing here, but here's the deal. See, when, when a shepherd would go into a territory they hadn't been before where he hadn't walked, he would take his sheep so far and then he'd cordon them off and he'd basically, okay, little Babby and little Sheba and little Billy and whoever it was, he'd say, you stay here. And this is what the shepherd would do. He would begin to walk. He'd begin to walk through the fields and he would notice these little dirt mounds and he'd be looking for a black adder, which was a venomous snake or a whole viper snake. What they called them was whole viper snakes because they lived in holes. And the shepherd would be going out and he'd be looking around and he would take his staff and he'd begin to push down the weeds. The good shepherd was watching over his sheep. And then if he 
begin to think that maybe there was a snake in one of the holes, whether it was a viper hole or a black adder, which are very poisonous, he would take this heavy, thick oil and he would pour it over the hole so the snake couldn't get out. And then it says, and he anoints my head with oil. I love this. Because the sheep, they're not real smart. They don't look around. They just, they just kind of go anywhere. And they'd be going around. And it says that if, if the reason they would anoint his head is because when the sheep put its head down to eat, a lot of times one of these black adders or a viper would strike them. But he'd put oil on their forehead so that when the snake came up, it would be repelled. It was almost like a repellent to the snakes. I love that. See, isn't it interesting that we have an enemy of our soul that's called the serpent? And that's what the good shepherd Jesus Christ does for us. But that's what good shepherds do under shepherds in the church. As we're praying, we're, we're going before the sheep. We're giving vision. We're giving purpose. And that's what Pastor George's call is, is to be a protector, to be a guide to listen to the over-shepherd, Jesus Christ. I imagine David as a shepherd is writing this song. He must have been saying, God, I'm just so thankful that you go before me and you protect me and you watch over me and you allow me to guide these sheep that you've given me. There's no greater joy, loved ones, than to be a shepherd. I have another, uh, where's Jess? Could you bring up the uh, staff, please? Thanks. I love this symbol. Pastor George, would you come and receive this staff? I encourage you to put it in your office. And just as a reminder, you are an under shepherd to the great shepherd. And these are great people. To pastor. Thank you. You bet. Well, I'll put it right next to my title. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, now I want to move to the giving Pastor George's charge. Before we do that, um, I wanted Trina to, she wanted to say something to Kristen. And uh, so we have a little video that she's just going to say something to Kristen. And, uh, and then we'll call uh, everybody up. So would you watch this, please? Good morning, Creekside Church. I sure miss you guys. I wish I could be there in person with you. But because of my health issues, I can't be in crowds. But I sure miss you guys a lot. I want to say a few things to my very good friend, Kristen Willis, this morning. Kristen, as you move into this next phase of ministry life, I want you to know that I will continue to pray for you, asking the Lord to give you discernment, wisdom, guidance, and understanding more than ever. Keeping yourself tethered to Jesus will ensure that you stay who you are as an individual, a wife, a mom, and the pastor's wife that you are. I want to thank you for your tender heart and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I appreciate that you don't react or act out. You ponder and assess each situation that you're in, and then you pray to seek God's will. I respect and appreciate your leadership and your decisions. Kristen, I love it whenever we've talked about situations in life. 
You include George in your decision-making. You guys are a great team in life and ministry. He's the one you share a home with after dealing with all of the everydayness of ministry. So keep your relationship alive with trust and understanding. Kristen, I love this saying. If you look closely, you can see God's signature at the beginning and ending of each chapter. You will find his fingerprints on each page as he carefully pins the details with purpose. You can rest assured that with him, you will always have a future and a hope. Psalm 139, 16 says, All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. So God knew full well that this day would come. Kristen, the most important thing I can tell you is to remember whose you are. When challenges come your way, nobody can take away your personal relationship with Jesus. Always rely completely on his plan for you. My friend, I want you to know that I'm here for you anytime, day or night. You can always count on me. Creekside is blessed beyond measure to have you as their new pastor's wife. Now love them and lead them, as PT says. I love you to pieces. Now go and have some fun with this great Creekside church and community. I love you. I love that girl. Uh, I would like to invite uh, Pastor George and Kristen if they would come up now. And we're going to have to work with uh, Kristen. She had a injury befall her and just had surgery this past week. What a trooper that she's up and about. I thought she'd have a wheelchair. <laughs> okay. Uh, while they're coming up, I'd like to have uh, the council come up and just kind of cover the four corners of this uh, little platform. And then I'd love to have our uh, staff that are here, uh, not serving somewhere else, to come up and stand just along uh, the platform here. Do you need to elevate that girl? Um, it's probably going to be about five, six minutes. Are you sure? Okay. Okay, okay. Because I, 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 listen, I'm a mechanic guy. I can fix anything and I can prop this up. Yeah, yeah. I got some duct tape here in my pocket and we'll, we'll take care of this thing. Is that good? Okay. Good, good. I'm taking these from uh, uh, the scriptures. This is a pastoral charge that the Apostle Paul gave to Timothy. So personally, I don't think I can improve on that. So we're, we're going to go with it straight from the scriptures. But I'm taking different passages from 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. The purpose of instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, with love that comes from a pure heart and a clear conscience and a genuine faith. Some people have missed this whole point. They've turned away from these things and they spend their time in meaningless discussions. Here are my instructions for you. 
May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Be an example to all in all that you say and in the way that you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift that you received through the prophecy that was spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands upon you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of so many that will be listening to you. Guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless discussions with those who oppose you and with, those who, with their so-called knowledge. Some have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. Hold on to the pattern of the wholesome teaching that you've learned, a pattern that is shaped by faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker who correctly explains the word of truth. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to anyone, to everyone. He must be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. You must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught and you know them to be true. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures and they've been given to you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes in trusting Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do. God uses it to prepare and to equip people and ourselves for every good work. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, encourage your people with good teaching. Keep a clear mind. Keep your head straight in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. Fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. May all glory and honor to God forever and ever be true. So he is the eternal king. He alone is God. May the Lord be with your spirit. All honor and power to him forever and ever. Amen. And amen. I want to invite you, if you would, to stand with me, and we're going to pray over them now. <clears throat> Since we're kind of social distancing a little bit, but we got masks on, I'm going to invite you as just kind of in proxy to extend your hands toward them as if we're laying our hands upon them. And uh, would you join me as we pray for them. Father God, we come in Jesus' name. We hear the word that you have spoken. 
it seems very clear that there's this clarion call to proclaim the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone, everywhere, that, Lord, this church would be built upon your word. I thank you, Lord, for Pastor George's and Kristen's commitment to your word. And I pray, God, that you would give them fluency of speech and you would give them understanding of the scriptures to be able to make them clear to this community that is here today and to the community that is out there in the years to come. We speak life and goodness. Lord, let the sheepdogs of your life pursue them every day. Let Pastor George, trust in, look to, and rely upon the good shepherd of Jesus Christ. And Lord, would your spirit fill them with guidance and vision and purpose for this season ahead. Lord, we are privileged and thankful that you would bring them back. Lord, you seem to always do such restoring works and you restore to us those things that we've lost. You restore those things, Lord, that have been removed from us. And now, Lord, you even restore to us things that have left for good reasons and bring them back. We receive them today, Lord, as Paul said in Ephesians 4, that they are gifts. They are pastor, teacher gifts to us. And Lord, help us to value them and teach them in that vein. So Lord, today we rejoice and give thanks as we welcome our new pastors, Pastor George and Kristen Willis to Creekside Church. We pray, Lord, for fruitful ministry and that, Lord, they would walk with you and be able to say, even as Paul spoke, would you just follow me as I follow Christ? Because that's what we're living for. So, Lord, now we release them to you. I commend them to your spirit and to your word. And we, we stand here and we commit to support them, to love them. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Would you welcome our new pastors? of things uh, that I, I, I want to say before I, I get into just a few moments of maybe uh, a little bit of vision and then a little bit of encouragement. I want to express my appreciation uh, to all of you, not only who showed up today uh, for this amazing day in the history of Creekside Church, but my wife and I went through some garbage uh, physically uh, about three or four weeks ago that a lot of you were praying for us for, and you continue to pray for us today. A lot of you have reached out and, and offered uh, help and, and all that. So we want to say thank you to those who did that, and thank you, Creekside Church. I also want to uh, express appreciation to my mom who came out from Nevada uh, to be here today. Thank you, Mom. Uh, my aunt and uncle who came all the way from Bethel Island. I know that was a trek. And uh, to my brother for being here today. And uh, I also want to say thank you to my wife and my daughter. Uh, I am not the man I am today without God working in you and through you uh, to help shape me in, into the husband and the father and the pastor and leader I am today. So thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Maddie. I also want to express my heartfelt gratitude and appreciation uh, to Pastor Terry and Trina. Uh, Trina, thank you so much. I know you're watching. Uh, I don't know what camera I'm on, but uh, 
we love you and we're praying for you and we believe God is going to do uh, some miraculous things in your life in the season ahead. Uh, Pastor uh, Terry, uh, I, man, that man, uh, he's retired and he continues to give he continues to serve. He continues to support. Uh, I pray that God uses uh, uh, the lane of uh, hands on Kristen and I to transfer some of that awesomeness that PT carries. Uh, some of that, I, Pastor, I don't know where you went, Pastor Terry, but I pray that God transfers some of that ability to teach God's word like he does. He does it like no other. And uh, I'm so grateful that you continue to do what you do in light of taking care of Trina. You continue to serve, give, and support, uh, not just Kristen and I, but he loves this church. He loves you. So thank you for that. Uh, and then all, thank you, Creekside Council, Greg, Jeff, Kent, Michael. Thank you so much for... The, the effort, the work, the time you spent with our Lord and seeking the Holy Spirit's lead in, in what is next for Creekside Church. Uh, you're, you're an amazing group of men, and it's an honor to serve along with you. So, uh, and then, I, I, again, I just want to thank God for the opportunity. The opportunity. Kristen and I counted an honor and a privilege to succeed Pastor Terry and Trina upon their retirement. Uh, we all know, I don't know if you know this as much as I do, but PT, Pastor Terry, he's leaving some really big shoes to fill. 30 years, he's loved and led you guys, this church, including myself. I was part of it for, for 10 years. So I'm not going to try and fill his shoes. I'm just bringing my own. And I... Yeah, that's a, that's a good praise break. Listen, acknowledging the strength, the growth, the creativity and impact that already exists at Creekside Church. I see my role, our role, is, is, is not redoing everything, but we see our role as bridging, as bridging the founding or forebearer to the future. To me, this means honoring the past, honoring the past as a platform for effective ministry today. Don't forget for all of us are going, who are saying, oh, I can't wait to get back to the way it used to be, uh, you know, 18 months ago. You got to remember that God didn't say, I am the great I was. God said, I am the great I am. And we have to know that while we pursue what God has in store for Creekside. Not just today, but for tomorrow. Building on the strength of today in our continued pursuit of being the life-giving, city-changing church of tomorrow. I believe some of the biggest God opportunities that we are believing for and that I see right now is inspiring people to connect with others, with Jesus and with Creekside Church again. As we continue to find our, our footing, even with maybe a little lingering pandemic uncertainty, 
I can commit to you that we will put a priority on a few things. We are going to make spiritual health, physical health, emotional health a priority in the season ahead. We're going to put a priority on the presence of God that he is experienced through any gathering or event, whether it's in person or online. And we are going to do whatever we can to bear fruit outside our walls as the people of Creekside make a difference. Make a difference in the daily lives of those around them. Increasing, I love what Pastor Terry said, increasing our sending and our seeding capacity. As we do what, church? Please know this. As we gather, grow, and what? Go. And as we set our course toward a preferred future, our desire will to be continually to increase avenues where we can share the gospel and bring the hope of Jesus Christ, teaching life transformation through a relationship with Jesus Christ and to encourage and equip and empower the leaders, not just the leaders, but the staff, the volunteers, and every single person in person and online who call Creekside Church their home, to guide us into what God has next, next for Creekside Church, next. I look forward to building momentum by harnessing the power of both existing and new strategic initiatives when it comes to making the the, the hope of Jesus known in our community with fresh perspective, creativity, being paired with an unwavering commitment to bring hope, the hope of Christ to Martinez. Listen, I want to encourage all of us. I want to encourage all of us. And I think it, 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 we are in a season, in a position right now where we need to normalize next. We need to normalize What is next? I love how the Apostle Paul was encouraging a young pastor named Timothy. And thank you, Pastor Terry, for the charge from Timothy. But I think it's very applicable to us today as Creekside Church. Paul delivers a strong, unmistakable mandate to Timothy. And it's this, to maintain your testimony, to maintain your faith, and to fight for what is true and right. And this strong mandate, I believe, is for Creekside Church as we head into the season for what God has next. I'm going to read it from the the Bible, Pastor Terry. Now, I, I got contacts in, so it may be a little difficult to see, but I'm going to try. It's out of 1 Timothy chapter 6. The second half of verse 11 and verse 12. And I believe that this is a charge for us as Creekside Church moving into the next season. It says, now you, man of God, run from these things. He gave him a bunch of warnings uh, previously. But I love what he says next. He says, but pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, Love, endurance, and gentleness. 
Fight the good fight for the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and have made a good confession before many witnesses. Listen, Creekside. As we normalize the mindset of continually seeking and pursuing God for what is next, we create a heart and an attitude that wells up within us of pursuit. It becomes normal to always pursue God and discover his will and his purpose. Now here's a few things before I leave a charge with all of us that I believe we can hang our heart on as we get excited and we anticipate the season ahead. I want to see Creekside Church continue to have a heart for the future, to have a heart for the future and families. And we're going to be praying and believing that God's going to provide a children's pastor who will love and lead our little ones to Jesus and serve the families of Creekside Church in this city. I believe that we are going to strengthen our heart for our city. We're going to increase our reach. No more than ever in recent history, the local church needs to bring the hope of Jesus Christ into this world. I want to see Creekside Church continue to not necessarily be the biggest church in Martinez. But I want to lead it into becoming the best church for Martinez and our communities. So a heart for the future, a heart for our city, and a heart for this house. I believe we need to create opportunities to move from a focus solely on attendance to overall engagement. It's just not about going to church. It's about engaging your life, your heart, in the life of Creekside Church. Taking those next God-purposed steps. Create environments where, we, where people can take those steps in their journey with God and engage in the life of the church. Whatever platform or gathering, life transformation through the hope of Jesus Christ is the objective. A heart for the house. And then we can hang our heart on this. A continued heart of generosity. A continued heart of generosity a continued passion and support for the mission locally, regionally, and globally. And yes, a cafe. <laughs> I don't know how to take that, that you guys applaud the cafe, but the heart for generosity, I don't know. I, I just... I just want to see an amazing cafe where some good coffee is served. And so much more, so much more when God is leading our way. Listen, friends, in, in anticipation of what could possibly be, possibly be, what God can possibly do when, when a group of people gather together united in Christ, I have, just, I have one question for you this morning. 
One question for everyone who calls Creekside their home. And for those who are watching online, you can type in the comment section your answer to this question. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. ready. Here's my question. Creekside Church, are you all in? And if you are all in, I want you to say through that mask as loud as you can, I'm in. See, one of the biggest lies I think many people believe, one of the biggest lies that I think many of us believe when it comes to the church, you know, if I wasn't here, would it really matter that much? And as we move into the season ahead together, my prayer is that you would see that you, every single one of us, are invaluable to God's work. Every single one of us are invaluable. Look at your neighbor, look them in the eye and say, you are invaluable to God's work. Here's the deal. You are uniquely created. You are uniquely prepared and you are uniquely gifted with divine gifts and passions and talents. And when God created you, he put you at this very time and very place in history. Why did he do this? Because he knew it was at this time and this place that you can best glorify him. You are invaluable to God's work. And God is up to something big in this place. And here's the truth. Our church, Creekside Church, is absolutely incomplete without your contribution and without your participation. You are called by God. You are chosen by God. You are capable of doing what God has created you to do. You are a part of his body. You are the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. And if you aren't engaged, if you aren't involved, if you aren't serving, if you aren't loving, if you aren't contributing, contributing something that God wants to be done is not getting done. Because your presence here today matters to the heart of God. Your presence here today matters to the heart of God. You are part of his loving family. You matter. Turn to your other neighbor that you didn't choose the first time and say, you matter. <laughs> listen, Creekside Church. Listen. Listen. Your story matters. Your story matters. Your words matter. Your voice matters. Your gifts matter. Your generosity matters. Your encouragement matters. Your prayers matter. Your presence matters. When you give an offering, your gift makes a difference. When you pray a prayer, it moves the heart of God. When you invite someone to church, your, inv your invitation could change their lives for eternity. It matters. If you do your part, we do our part, think of what is possible when God does his. We can meet the needs of our community and all over this world. We can help restore someone's faith in Jesus who, have, who has drifted away. 
We could see marriages and families restored. We could share the gospel and the hope of Jesus with those who are hurting. And every child, family, single parent, grandparents, widow, or elderly can have their needs met. Anyone rejected and alone experiences and feels the love of God through people. Everyone who feels left out or abandoned could have comfort and a loving family. Anyone who has been abused or, or feels afraid can have support and hope. Every person trapped in addiction can find freedom in Jesus Christ. And every lost person in our community can hear the love of Jesus Because what you do, what you say, what you give, your engagement all matters to the heart of God. And it's not about your uh, ability. It's about your availability and you responding to the lead of the Holy Spirit. You can see I'm a little bit excited. It's just not the caffeine. It is in some ways surreal for me to be here and that God assigned my wife and I this opportunity to love and lead this this amazing church. A church that we have called home for many years and a church that we feel like we're coming back home to. We'll talk more about this next week, but we're doing it because we responded in obedience. And yeah, even though we're not having a barbecue next week, I would love to see every single one of you and your half faces because of the mask here next week. Why? Because you matter. You matter. You matter to God. And you are invaluable to God's work. Because God works through every single one of us. So Creekside Church, I'm gonna gonna leave you with this charge. Let's be the feet of the body of Christ that delivers the good news. Let's be the hands that offer help to those without. Let us speak the words that bring hope to the hurting. For we are the body of Christ and every single one of us in this room, every single one of you that are watching online, we are invaluable to God's work. And I want to leave you with this. As we stand together and close our time in worship, unified under the ultimate shepherd, Jesus. So let's stand together. Church, you matter. You matter. And as we move in the season ahead, you have to know that you matter to the heart of God. Also, you showing up matters. Your presence matters. You being here matters. And serving. Serving and glorifying God. And being used by him 
is an absolute privilege. We don't get, we don't, we don't have to do this. We get to do this. You matter. Your presence matters. Serving is a privilege. So Father, I pray for what you have in store in the season ahead. Though the details may not be specifically clear at this moment, we are going to commit as a church, as a community of believers, to follow your lead as you send out your Holy Spirit before us to guide our way. Thank you for this amazing opportunity. Thank you for this church, Father, that you've placed us in, every single one of us at this time, for a specific purpose in this moment in history. Why did you do this? Because every single one of us matters to what you want to do. And may you ultimately be glorified in it and through it all. In Jesus Christ's name we pray.